a leader, you have to be very confident in yourself and what you're bringing to the table. What's your vision? What's your mission? Because that's going to set the tone for everybody else, for your entire team. Welcome to another captivating episode of Coffee with Closers. Today, we have the pleasure of introducing an extraordinary guest who embodies the spirit of innovation, leadership, and empowerment. Join us as we sit down with the remarkable Sabrina Schaefer, CEO of Transformation Continuum. But Sabrina's impact extends far beyond the boardroom. As the passionate advocate for personal and professional growth, she developed a concept called Fear Forward, teaching individuals and organizations to embrace fear as a catalyst for positive change. With her unique approach, Sabrina empowers individuals to break through barriers, challenge the status quo, and unlock their full potential. Stay tuned for my conversation with Sabrina. Hey, Sabrina, I'm super excited to have you join me for this episode of Coffee with Closers. Nice to see you. Yeah, excited. Thanks for having me. Most certainly. Every entrepreneur has an interesting story of how they overcame obstacles to become an entrepreneur. I'm sure you have some very similar story. Can you share with our audience a little bit about your journey of becoming an entrepreneur? I think the one single thread that we all have in common is it's just sort of inherent in us for some reason, whether it's nature, nurture, or a little bit of both. So it's always been something that's part of me. I'm an immigrant. I was born in Germany. We moved here when I was in elementary school. And, you know, in order for us to make ends meet, my parents had to be entrepreneurs. And so at the time, my mom started a babysitting company. And that kind of spawned my love for children with special needs and fostering. And that's impacted my heart in more ways than I probably even realized myself. And then later on, she started a cleaning company and still has it to this day, decades later, and it's doing very well. So I think watching that has become such a deep part of my story and who I am. That's what really got me going. When I started undergrad, I was much younger. I had skipped two grades, so I started college the same year I got my driver's license. 16 was a big year for me. And, you know, like any good immigrant, there was no trust fund. There was no way of paying for college, just an expectation that you would get straight A's and you'd figure it out, you know? So I figured I better, you know, start something. Oddly, like I said, maybe just because it's natural to me. My instinct was to start a business. During high school, I was interning with an organization that provided behavioral services to special needs children, mostly on the, somewhere on the autistic spectrum. And I just became instantly in love with it. I just thought the whole idea around the neuroscience perspective of what's happening in their brain and how they were able to understand and perceive things way better differently than some of our neurotypically developing people can. It just became such a deep passion for me. So I decided to start a company that would support children, you know, that had special needs. And that was my first kind of venture as an entrepreneur. And it's spiraled ever since and has led me to here to being the CEO of Transformation Continuum. That's awesome. I can relate to that as well. We're, I'm also an immigrant's son and pretty much like you said, we, we had to work through high school and college. And uh, when people talk about like, you know, there are kids to just borrow money and then go to college and walk out with a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. I was working full-time trying to go to college at the same time full-time and paid through college, walked out with a, with a degree and I, halfway through, I kind of wanted to change my major, but I couldn't afford to change the major. So I kind of had to stay in college and finish it. So there's stuff like that that immigrants do that's pretty unique. And so you said you skipped uh, two grades. I'd love to hear how were you able to manage to do that? <laughs> uh, you know, I, again, it might go back to just being an immigrant. It just 
forces you to understand and look at things maybe a little bit different. And I've always, I, and it's still anyone who knows me and follows me knows I'm obsessed with learning. One of my favorite topics that has nothing to do with my real day job is astrophysics. I'm obsessed and I'm super into what's going on right now with the James Webb telescope, but I've always just been really into learning. When I was a kid, I asked for an overhead projector and I would ask for dictionaries and books. And I was the weird kid who took summer school because I wanted to. I did that in high school, college and law school. Um, in fact, I'm signing up for classes right now just because I love, I love learning. I think it's fun. It's always been fun for me. So when I was in sixth grade, I took an aptitude test and they wanted to put me in high school, but my mom thought that might be too big of a jump. So I went from sixth grade to eighth grade, which conveniently, you know, let me skip the constitution test, which you have to, it's a state requirement, but it kind of got me out of that. And then I took high school for three years. So I skipped another grade in high school and yeah, I loved it. That's awesome. I loved school. Yeah. yeah. An overachiever for sure. That's, that's awesome to hear. So obviously you mentioned law degree and you have a, a that profession, you're a lawyer, but then you actually are running a marketing agency, doing consulting and working with technology firms. So how did that transition come about? How did you go from a law degree now doing marketing and, and obviously training up organizations how to go market themselves? Yeah, I, I would joke that it was my third career by 30 and <laughs> you know, that's what I did. Turns out it's the exact same job. As an attorney, your job was to take extremely complicated, sometimes state and federal law and explain it in a way to folks that you have to assume, it's not always true, but you have to assume they only have a seventh grade education and that they know nothing about the law. So you have to take the ultra complex and make it not just simple, but compelling in the shortest amount of time possible. That's what I do when I build go-to-market strategy and try to appeal not just to internal teams because you need their buy-in, but also to external teams that have so much noise and have so many other distractions so like I said, it turns out it's the exact same job. I was working with a company, actually how it really started is I was supporting someone who had a special needs son and he saw how hard I worked. You know, he was, he had his child in my clinic and worked with some of the therapists that were working with me and things like that. And I think just saw my work ethic and I've posted about this before. So um, some of you have even seen me talk about this and he was the one who said, you know, you might have something here. And I kept saying, no, no, I'm an attorney. I don't know anything about sales. I don't know anything about tech. I don't know anything about blah, 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 blah. And uh, so he kept pursuing me and said, you've got something, you've got something I'm telling you. And I think what that ultimately taught me is it literally takes one human to see something in you or someone that they don't see in themselves that can change an entire legacy. My sister, who previously wasn't in tech, is now in tech. It's changed the entire trajectory of my life and, and it's given me an ability to combine my passions in one awesome job and then build a team of insanely high-performing folks around the world and work with some of the largest companies in the world, do some pretty crazy, creative, fun things that I otherwise would never get the opportunity to do. Yeah, sometimes it's kind of risky to find some talent in people and uh, call it out and show it to them. But I think doing so, like you said, right, change the trajectory of your life. Um, but I think oftentimes we are like, oh, I don't think, you know, it's too personal. I don't want to get involved in somebody else's right. personal choices about what they want to do with their career or life. But I think sometimes it's worth doing it. And I think uh, that's the power of diversity, equity, inclusion, or sometimes called DEI or DE&I. Sometimes, you know, the acronyms are kind of switched up, but that's the power. It's not just a nice to have. 
but having someone at the time, the IT industry was going through this shift and trusted advisor was a buzzword. And we thought digital transformation was just becoming kind of maybe a thing. And I remember the teams that I supported would say, well, what do you know about this? What do you know? You know, what is she doing here? And what I did know is I knew how the human brain worked. I knew how to shape people and build enablement programs that would allow folks like engineers to have more solution-focused mindsets and conversations, how sellers could talk to different lines of business. I knew that part. They knew the tech. I knew the neuroscience and the behavioral science piece of it. That's the power of diversity and equity and inclusion is when you bring different perspectives, you're allowed all of a sudden to think outside a box and really accelerate outcomes that you otherwise wouldn't even be able to achieve, more or less accelerate them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And giving, you know, giving an opportunity for others who you may not listen to all the time to come up with ideas and share insights, because a lot of times those people who may not be very outspoken have great ideas and you're not giving them maybe because of their skin color or where the origin of their, you know, where they came from. A lot of times those people may not get a chance on the, at the table. Yeah. So it's been amazing to watch how this plays out in my own life as now I can add people to the team. In fact, we have a lot of neurodiverse folks on our team and a massively broad spectrum of gender and races and ages and you name it. And that's how we're able to do some of the most creative campaigns that are launching right now is because of the diversity of our team. Awesome to hear. So if anybody who's been on your LinkedIn profile probably have seen you post a, you know, a post or two about fear forward as a concept. <laughs> Anytime you have an opportunity to speak on stages or you're trying to do something that you're not comfortable in doing, you're always talking about it. You post about it. Can you explain the concept of fear forward to our audience? <laughs> yeah. Another life changing thing. It's kind of wild how that happens. So a couple years ago, it's almost been about two years now, maybe a year and a half. I just sort of noticed that I was doing things or not doing things because I was scared and I got frustrated with it. And I just decided that I was going to make a list of things that scare me. And every time an opportunity came up or a thought came up that scared me, I was going to add it to this list and I was going to do it. And one of the things that terrified me the most, and it's wild to think of now was posting with social media. Every time I post, I am absolutely terrified. That is a hundred percent true. It is me learning in public in the most vulnerable and authentic ways. But what's neat about it is it's allowed me to figure out who I truly am and to kind of grow into myself and then share that with other people. That was one of my biggest fears is, oh, if I post, I'm going to offend somebody. And of course, I never intentionally offend people. But what I've noticed is if I do, one, it gives me an opportunity to learn. And I've certainly posted about unconscious biases and lessons I've learned across along the way. But it's also allowed me to kind of have this natural filtration system where the folks I do want around me get closer to me and the folks I don't want around me get further away. So it's had so many advantages that I never saw in unintended consequences. Like you mentioned, I've been invited to speak at, I would say, almost all of the Fortune 10s. Forbes just asked me to speak. I'll go, I'm going to speak again with Dell. Intel just asked me to speak again. I think that'll be my fifth or sixth time with them. So it's opened up these insane opportunities, but it's also, uh, like I said, helped me develop in who I am and inspired other people. And so that's been this crazy, amazing thing where I've built this network and in part Dell has funded and, you know, co-sponsored this fear forward community and so now there's this network of humans supporting humans and it's awesome. It has been mm -hmm. one of the coolest things. And, and one of a, a very, very special friend of mine is a chief transformation officer over at Dell. And she and I share often, in fact, we did a live together about 
how much you really then start to look for things that are scary. In fact, I'm running a half marathon this weekend. I have a comedy class and I'm going to bomb. It's going to be terrifying on Thursday. I am almost every day doing something that terrifies me. Mm -hmm. How do you think that prepares you? I mean, obviously, it, you know, it puts you in challenging circumstances, but how does it prepare you from a business world in the business world in terms of trying to do something that you, would, you wouldn't do otherwise? Well, first of all, as a leader, you have to be very confident in yourself and what you're bringing to the table. What's your vision? What's your mission? Because that's mm -hmm. going to set the tone for everybody else, for your entire team. You have to show up so that they'll show up. And your authenticity is the only thing. Your trust is the only currency that you have with your team. doesn't matter how nice mm -hmm. you are, how smart you are, how funny you are. If they can't trust you, if there's not that authenticity, you're not showing up. So you might as well just, mm -hmm. you know, call it a day. So that's first and foremost, is it helps you become the leader that you need to be. It opens up this safety channel with your team that they go, oh, Sabrina's vulnerable. In fact, she's doing it in front of millions of people. Of course, I can come to her and talk to her about this, whatever it might be, this idea, this fear, this whatever it might be. The other thing is it allows you to start to understand what's important. So you're able to see things in a different way. So in our role, we help high IT you know, organizations and their ecosystems, so alliances and channel partners. We help them build go-to-market messaging and then execute it. So align internal and external campaigns. And what you're able to do is you're able to see what works and what doesn't work because you're more honest with yourself and you're willing to try things that are scary. And then of course, as a human, which also you know helps from a sales perspective and an innovation perspective, you're thinking differently. So all of a sudden, our mantra has become, we do scary things. Part of my fear for it has been having some of the most difficult conversations that I've ever had in my life, ever, <laughs> and mm -hmm. multiples, you know, whether it's, I don't like that you're doing this, or I love that you're doing this, or somewhere in between, those conversations can be very complex and very difficult. And when you're able to learn how to navigate them, and more importantly, tell yourself, I do scary things, all of a sudden you look at things differently. And so you're able to execute differently. You're able to relate to people differently, which is key when you're in a sales forward organization. So those are just the three ways that it's helped. But I'll tell you from a marketing perspective, we take bigger chances. So it gets us in front of much larger organizations, much larger customers. And then again, like I said, just personally, I've never had this level of friendships of people that I'm genuinely connected with in such wonderful, amazing ways. We, we grow and we brainstorm together. My favorite thing is when people call me and say, I have a crazy idea. You have me at crazy. I'm in. Let's do it. You know? So it's, it's really changed the way we do business and the folks that we're doing business with and then the type of business that we're doing. Mm -hmm. So do you think businesses should be leveraging fear as a catalyst for change within the organization? Would you recommend that as a tactic? Maybe. I think traditionally, you know, and, and fear tactics are very commonly used in marketing and in sales. If you don't hit your quota, you're axed. In that realm, absolutely not. Zero. I, you'll never see any campaign that we do that is that type of fear. I think that's manipulative and that's the opposite of what fear for it is about. What I do think you should do is if something scares you, you should assess why is this scary and is there something I can do to maybe make it less scary or to lean into it? So for instance, mm -hmm. a couple of my leadership team came to me and said, we have this crazy idea. 
we want to do this thing called Tech Deck Karaoke, where we invite people to bring any deck they want. It could be any technology, any stack, any solution, any company, you name it, around the world. They bring the deck. They bring the message. We don't look at it ever. We hit record, and we present it for the first time, like Tech Deck Karaoke. And then the other person gets to present it as it should have been. And mm-hmm. as you could imagine, that could be the easiest way to fall on our face. That could be the quickest way to show maybe some holes or some gaps, but I leaned into it. And I will tell you that that has brought more revenue for the company than any other campaign that we've run. And it was something Mm -hmm. that was absolutely terrifying and it held an extra terrifying component. It involved me being on camera, which is a fear forward of mine. Mm -hmm. So absolutely it's, it's changed the way that we go to market. And I think it should influence the way other organizations go to market. But I just wanted to make that quick caveat. I am not a proponent for using fear mongering or any kind of fear tactics in marketing. I think that's insanely manipulative. And on a long-term perspective, just getting into the neuroscience for a second, you're triggering parts of your brain, the amygdala in particular, I'm pointing because it's back here, but you're triggering parts of the brain that make it harder for you to learn. So anything that you're trying to enable people or skills that you're trying to teach them to do or have them stop doing makes it exponentially harder. So just from a learning perspective, if you're trying to influence new buyers or influence new talent, it's one of the worst things that you can do. Yeah. I mean, me as a salesperson and and with the marketing background as well, I also just hate it when someone, a salesperson try to use the scarcity tactic or even in marketing, they're like, oh, the, this pricing is only available for until end of this quarter or whatnot, because you already know that that's not the case, right? So I know it doesn't work with the prospects and, and sure it doesn't really work with the customers either. Yeah. So obviously you you invest a lot into personal development and you have this whole concept of fear forward. What are some other things you're doing from a personal development standpoint to to grow? Obviously you're learning a lot, you're you know signing up for all kinds of stuff. Are there other things that you're doing from a personal development standpoint? So we do this thing called investment blocks and I've learned this years ago and I, I stole it from a gentleman named Bill Hybels and it's absolutely brilliant. So the idea is that if it's not on your calendar, it's not gonna happen. So take one hour a week, block it out and it's not movable. I don't care if it's eight o'clock on a Friday or whatever, you know, some people are now doing this no meeting Friday or do it at the end of the day Friday. Cause I know it kind of lets out early on Fridays, but I can't find another way. If you're not willing to do the full blown fear forward, which I will tell you is going to be terrifying. That's the point. But if you're not willing to do that yet, then I would highly suggest starting with a investment block. And it's just a one hour block on your calendar And I would label it investment block because if you're not investing in yourself, no one is. doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The other thing, again, if you know me, you know that this is what I do. I'm a massive proponent of coaches. I've had speaking coaches when I first started doing public speaking because I was so scared. I had an executive coach when I first started working as a sales leader because I didn't know tech or sales leadership. When I first signed up for my first marathon, which was one of my fear forwards, I had a running coach. I have a mindfulness coach that I work with on a fairly regular basis. So I'm a huge proponent of don't learn alone, build a network. If you don't have one, go get a network. If you're fortunate enough to be able to pay for some coaches, or if your work is willing to do that, a lot of big organizations are willing to do those kinds of programs. If not, find a small group of folks. And I always, and I say this to everyone, you've seen it on my LinkedIn. If you follow me, you're always welcome to reach out to me. I will always make time for people and connect you with my network because there's this unbelievable group. And some of it is multiple genders. Some of it is just women. Some of it is just go to market. Some of it is just strategy. 
So depending on where you are and where you're trying to invest, I'm more than happy to connect you. And then I also listen to a lot of comedy. I laugh a lot. I think Mm -hmm. it's foolish to not enjoy life. What are you doing? I work with some of the best people in the world from an internal team perspective and clients. I'm very, very, very privileged to be able to pick who I work with. I fully Mm -hmm. recognize that. And not everyone, not nearly anyone has that kind of advantage. So I do recognize that that's a massive privilege. But I'm very intentional about people I put in my life, the way I invest my time. And I'm not ashamed. I'm not embarrassed of saying, yeah, I'm investing in myself. And I think sometimes we can be worried about that. Like, oh, how will that look? Or how will that come off? It doesn't matter. But again, I'd say one of the biggest secrets to my life is I enjoy so much of it. And I laugh Mm -hmm. a ton. Yeah, you mentioned about mindfulness coach. How has a mindfulness coach helped you? Is it more from a mindset or is it something else being aware of your weaknesses or your uh, areas where you need to grow? A little bit of both. So I worked, one of the coaches that I worked with when I first started as a sales leader, he had me do this exercise and I'm excited to share it because it's changed a, a big part of my life. He had me reach out to five or 10 of the people I trusted the most. It can be work, it can be personal, it doesn't matter. And usually you can do it on the phone, but you can do it. Look at me. So old school. Do it on the phone. I think they do. I don't even know how kids do it these days. But anyway, or you can email them, whatever you feel comfortable with. And you say, what's the first three words you think of when someone says my name? What are the first three words that come to mind when someone says Sabrina? And then write those words down or collect it. And then look at the overlap. You know, look at where, okay, everybody's kind of saying this or no one said this. This is an outlier. I'm going to throw that out. And then that's your personal brand. Whether you like it or not, that's your personal brand. And then you can decide how you want to shape it. So that's, I found, one of the fastest ways of kind of figuring out what you need to work on. So that was one thing that, you know, one of the coaches did with me. Another coach is a meditation coach. I use this app called Flexit. It's on your phone so I can take you when I travel because work travel is back with a vengeance. I have like three straight weeks of on the road time. So it allows me to work out wherever I am. And it also has folks like nutritionists and mindfulness coaches. So in this particular case, it's a meditation coach and you can do 15 minute sessions of just Mm -hmm. meditation. I find that I need a coach at least at first to kind of make sure I'm doing things the way I should be. And it's been amazing. It's been truly empowering to really learn how to sit with your thoughts, how to sit with yourself. And then once you master that, then you try to go for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it might be. So that's another way that I've used coaches that have kind of helped me realize who I am or what I need to work on or what I'm doing right and want to do more of. But the options are really limitless. Some folks are readers. There's a ton of amazing books out there. There's a ton of amazing video and free content out there too. In fact, most books have an audio book for free on YouTube. I particularly love this channel called Charisma on Command. They take a behavioral analyst approach to what celebrities and other professionals are doing right. And they break down the behavior so you can emulate it. So that's another way that I like to invest in myself. A lot of times I have a topic or an area that I'm trying to work on. And then I just double down. If you can't tell, I'm an all or nothing kind of human, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, all the, all the, you know, exceptional athletes all have coaches that helps them get better at their craft. And I think a lot of times we as entrepreneurs and business leaders kind of think like we can figure this out by just reading a book or just a podcast, but oftentimes you do need somebody who challenges you and gives you those exercises, like you said, 
to go do some, you know, some experimental things and uh, learn about your weaknesses or areas where you need to change. And I have a mindset issue myself. A lot of times, like those limiting beliefs about certain things, like you said, right? Like the, the fear forward concept that you're talking about. Sometimes you're afraid to do certain things because you just, it's in your mind more than your inability to do it. Uh, just challenging yourself to like step forward and taking action. And you do need somebody who can challenge you. Big time, big time. And that's why these honest, open networks are so important. And I think you're right. A lot of us worry like, oh, I don't need a coach or I'm fine. And yes, most likely you probably can figure it out by yourself. But I, in my opinion, it's less fun. But I fuel, I'm driven off connections. I love deep connections with people. So why do it alone if you don't have to? Mm -hmm. And I just think it's a lot more fun. But that's another thing that's come out of fear forward is I tell myself, well, I do scary things. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden it's just one more scary thing. And that's, I do mm -hmm. scary things. So it makes it, yeah. it's starting the habit is what makes it easier to keep going. It's almost like running. When I signed up for the mm -hmm. marathon, I could not even run a mile. There was no way I could run like a quarter mile. Maybe now <laughs> I can do 12, 13 miles without really thinking about it. You know, I just did mm -hmm. 11 or 12 over the weekend and was fine. So it's those steps. It's one step at a time. And if you get in your own way, you're getting in your own way. So I'm a big proponent of coaches. And like I said, if you don't have the resources, even if you do have the resources, reach out. I'm happy to connect you with whomever will help you. And you'd be surprised how many folks reach out and say, can you look at my personal brand? Or can you look at this post I was going to send? Or can you look at this? Like, you know, somebody just reached out and said, Hey, I was going to write this article. Do you mind reading it and helping me find my own voice? So I am more than happy to do that. And I hope you extend the same for other people, sort of the proverbial you who's ever watching and listening. Because what I've noticed in life is, um, and, and this is a Warren Buffett quote that I quote all the time, that life's an interesting thing. You know, the more you give, the more you get back. So if you're not sure what to do or where to start, start with serving and it'll come back. Yeah, most certainly. And you'll never know. There's some, you know, I call them divine appointments. You service somebody and then they, that person makes another connection to somebody else that might change the trajectory of your life. Um, seen happen in my life and it's very true. So you obviously have a podcast where you interview some really well-known experts in the industry. Can you share with our audience a little bit about the, the show that you host and, and kind of the audience that you go for? Yeah, it's another fear forward. Apparently my life is just full of fear. So <laughs> when I started the fear forward, you know, sort of in the mix of it all, one of the things I was really scared about was public speaking. And so I decided I was going to do LinkedIn lives because they go live and I can't overthink it. I can't edit it. I'm just, it's out there and it's done. And I started, I was just going to do three and I picked a couple of my friends. Like I said, I've been very blessed with an insanely amazing network of friends that I've gone to weddings with them. I've, I have some that have stayed with me. I mean, we've been all over the world. We travel together and just have a really neat network. So I pulled a couple of folks and after the third live or podcast, somebody reached out and said, Hey, did I offend you? An executive at a very huge company, like a fortune 30. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, no. Why? Why? You know? And uh, he was hooked. Well, you didn't invite me to your podcast. <laughs> and I said, well, no, 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 it's not a podcast. Don't call it that. Mm -hmm. I'm terrified of public speaking. Don't call it that. I was just going to do three. And then he said, well, do a fourth one. And then, you know, mm -hmm. here we are a year and a half, two years later. And, I've interviewed some of the most profound, unbelievable thinkers in the world. I mean, I just did one with a neurodiverse gentleman, a senior leader at Dell, and we were talking about innovation and the 
coolest way. We were talking about, you know, he's walking down to the train. He was holding the hand railing and he felt the braille under the hand railing. And we mm -hmm. use that as a way to talk about customer experience and what that really means going to 2024 and into the future with all things chat GBT and all the things that are coming up now. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about a study that he did with global leaders and children around the world and use that on how do you leverage data in meaningful ways that can propel what you're trying to do and accelerate things that you're trying to enable or invoke. Mm -hmm. So I've had some really amazing conversations I will tell you, it is not scripted. It is the most raw and authentic thing. It is 100% me learning in public. And anybody who knows me or is a friend of mine knows that I tend to have very deep and honest conversations with my friends. I ask very scary conversations. A friend of mine who was at AWS and just left and went over to VMware, she is a Muslim, Latina, Uber engineer, brilliant, wonderful human. And we talked about her religion and her headscarf. Mm -hmm. And you can only imagine how scary that would be, but I do scary things. And mm -hmm. so I started to realize that some of these conversations I'm having, another one I mentioned, my CTO friend over at Dell, we were talking about innovation and what it means in a market like now and all these kinds of things. And so I just decided that maybe it would be beneficial for folks to hear these conversations in real time. So the entire mm -hmm. podcast is just me learning in public with some mm -hmm. really, really smart people. Interesting. And I know in the beginning of the uh, interview, you were talking about how your mom had a daycare and how that had a, an impact in your life of how you perceive the children with uh, special needs. And you also do foster parenting. Can you share with our audience a little bit about what you're doing and how that's impacting you personally? And then also how that spills over to your, your business world as well. Yeah, it's funny how it's all the same, isn't it? I've been a foster parent for almost 10 years now, which blows my mind because I'm not mm -hmm. supposed to be that old, but it turns out. So anyway. Skip school a couple of times. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, maybe that, maybe that. So I was actually, I was in a Bible study and one of the ladies, I think she had four or five kids already and she was a foster parent. And I just remember being so drawn to it. And it's only short-term fostering. The organization is called Safe Families, if you're interested in it. It could be anything from, hey, this family, you know, I get texts on my phone every day. And it could be this family just had their house burnt down and they need transportation or they need clothes or they need whatever. Or it's a DCFS, a, a child protective services situation where we're trying to keep the kid out of the system. Can someone take them for a week, two weeks? It's only up to a year. So it's never longer than that. And it's entirely voluntary. So at any point, the parents could say, I want the kid back. At any point, I could say, it hasn't happened yet, but you never know. I could say, hey, look, this isn't working for me or whatever it might be. And it's changed my life. It's changed my family's life. My nephew was about nine years old. And he said, Auntie, I don't know if I'll ever have kids, but I will always foster. It is a vacation on steroids. And what I tell these kids is I said, you know, we thought you had a hard time. Some kids have no home. Some kids need a one home. You now have a vacation home and we decided that you need a vacation and we live life. There's no tomorrow. We do phone parties and, you know, whatever we can do to have a good time and just drive some more love and passion in their hearts and let them know that there's maybe a different side to what they've experienced so far or what they've recently experienced or that there's goodness in this world. And I post about this too. In fact, you know, there's a Mother's Day post out there with a, a video stream of some of the kids that I've had over the years and I'm in touch with almost all of them. And I talk about how I feel guilty, how it's so rewarding and it's so much fun. I mean, you know, over the holidays, I was gonna get a three-year-old and my family went berserk. I mean, they couldn't have been more excited. 
And the fact that you are helping other people get outside of themselves and feel that level of joy, I mean, there's nothing like it. And you start to forget that this is for the child because it's so much fun to be with them. And they're so appreciative of every, even the silliest little things like a bubble bath party, which we call a foam party, but a bubble bath, you mm -hmm. know, and you throw in a whole bunch of toys and just have a party. It also helps you realize that you can enjoy the little moments in life bigger and better than you realize right now. Something as silly as a foam party, which I hope now some people change their vernacular and call bubble baths a foam party, but it helps you realize that there are these little wins in life. And if you overlook them, you're losing. If you just take a moment, this goes back to mindfulness, you'll realize just how beautiful life really, really is. And it's the same thing with special needs. Again, it's something that invokes so much love and passion and it helps you realize what life's really about. And all of a sudden, the fact that you spilled a little bit of your coffee on your shirt or I don't know, you're running five minutes late to a meeting that won't matter. You know what I mean? All of a sudden, these silly little trivial things that, yes, are important, but maybe when you step back are not worth losing any bit of joy over. And what I've kind of come out of that, sort of my life axiom that's come out of that is it's my job to show up as my best, most authentic self. It's their job to figure out what to do with it. And it helps a lot of these sort of self-deprecating thoughts or sort of these ruminations or, you know, spirals that we can get into. What I say is, did I show up as my best self? Yes or no. If not, then I can take action to fix it. I should have gotten more sleep yesterday. I should have read the article. I should have read the, you know, the financial report, whatever it is. Did I show up as my most authentic self? If yes to both of those, stop thinking. Stop. You're ruminating. It's not healthy. It's not good. And then it's their job to figure out what to do with it. Working with children that are in such a vulnerable state, and I can relate. As an immigrant, I didn't speak English perfectly when I got here. And I know what it's like to not have a voice, but know exactly what I'm thinking and just not know how to articulate it yet. And it goes back to the person who believed in me when I first got into IT. It got back to the second grade teacher who believed in me when I first moved to the country. It goes back to even my parents. It's starting to focus and believe in the right things and draw less attention and focus less on the things that don't matter. So that's really mm -hmm. how it's changed my life and pretty much everyone around me. It's awesome to hear. Like yeah, I've heard people say, when you serve, the person that actually gets the benefit is the one that's serving. And it's just, like you said, it's very transformational uh, for someone who's actually doing the work. Very encouraging to hear that. Knowing what you know today, what advice would you give your younger self? I would say you've got this, you know, what's the saying, whether you think you can or you can't, either way you're right. You know, life never, ever goes as you want it to. And I think that that's a good thing. I would have never planned to be here. I would have, if I would have followed my fears, I would be behind the scenes, not doing anything that I'm doing now. And it's filled my heart with so much joy. It's enabled this massive global team to do, like I said, the craziest, coolest things. We were just at an SKO last week with a very, very large partner of ours. And it was, they said, get as creative as you want. And it was knocked out of the park. They already hired us for next year because it was so good. It was so creative. I would have never mm. done that if I didn't first kind of go through this journey. I wouldn't even be in this industry, you know? So you've got it. You've got it. Keep going. A lot of people say I'm driven. I'm not. <laughs> I just do things that are scary now. And talk about it in public because I kind of hope that maybe somebody else will do stuff that's scary and be way better and bigger than me. So I, I would say you got it. You can do this. It's 
Awesome. Well, Sabrina, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank, thank you. you for sharing your wisdom with our audience. Well, thank you for having me. And for those looking to connect, you can find me on LinkedIn. I don't really do much other social, but you can definitely find me on LinkedIn. And I appreciate the time. Thank you. This episode of Coffee with Closers is brought to you by One IMS, a leading digital marketing agency helping businesses win new customers. To request a free marketing ROI audit, please visit oneims.com. If you enjoyed this video, please share it. To make sure you never miss an episode, please subscribe.